Thank you for tuning into Black and Well Voices, a space where we invite Black identities to share their thoughts, experiences, and endeavors that'll push the collective forward. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning into Black and Well Voices. Just in case you're new here, my name is Azalea, and I am the founder of Black and Well. And today you'll be joined by our host, Olivia Grant, alongside our amazing guest, Curtis Smith, who is a mover and shaker within the Black community. Now, Curtis Smith is a mindfulness and a character education consultant, a speaker, an educator, as well as the founder of Moment of Mindfulness. Tune in as he discusses what mindfulness looks like within the school and workplace, how wellness can continue outside of these settings, as well as what wellness and mindfulness looks like for him as a Black man in America. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy and be well. What inspired you to start your company, Moment of Mindfulness? And just what, what inspired your journey into wellness as a whole? You know, I was initially inspired by the passing of my mom um, back in 2013. I had co-founded a school back in East New York, Brooklyn. And during the same year of the opening of the school, my mom had passed away. And it really just put me in a space where I was seeking something a lot deeper and a, a, a different connection that I could tangibly connect to. And I had already kind of been curious about mindfulness and meditation. And that really just propelled me to go deeper. And it coincided with the opening of the school, which the mission was character education along with academics. And I was in charge and really infusing the character education initiative. And um, it all synced. I utilized mindfulness as a tool to bring to them because it was something that was helping me through um, dealing with my mom's passing. and. That really lit the way for other people to share what they were going through. And really just me sharing my story. A lot of people were dealing with loss and dealing with pain. And it really just created a platform for us to just express what we were going through. And we had a tangible tool and mindfulness to connect to, to, to deal with what we're dealing with in a space of a community. And so that's what really sparked my interest. And once I saw the effects of really just sharing that space in the community and what it was doing for the community at large, it inspired me to dive deeper into my practice, dive deeper into understanding the tool of mindfulness. And that's what led me to get certified. And um, really the years that kind of compounded on with teaching the kids um, really just created a, a sense of inspiration to keep going. And um, I've since then created moment of mindfulness when we would take our moments throughout the school day, I coined the term moment of mindfulness in honor of my mom. Uh, moment of mindfulness spells out mom. And that was my way of really paying tribute to her and honoring her presence yeah. her, and her energy. Um, and it gave permission for everyone else to do the same. And it just became a thing that we all connected to. And I had a beautiful platform to expand on um, not just mindfulness, but um, character education as a whole. How do we build ourselves up and how do we create a sense of community where we can all feel safe, respected, um, and uplifted. And so I can go on and on, but really I'd say my mom's passing and the connection that I had with the students at the school 
really allowed me to grow with the movement and since then the company. Amazing. I think it's it really is powerful how, you know, you could take such a situation and turn it into a such an effective platform that's having an impact on so many. Um, it's necessary and it's needed and it's 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 great. I'm I'm sure it has been great in terms of your own healing. Absolutely. But also in terms of the healing of, of others. Absolutely. Um and you mentioned a lot of work in school and I'm interested to know what are some of the correlations you have made between mindful practices and productivity in school and, and in the workplace? Yeah, I mean, it's been eye-opening just really when you can be in a space where you feel good inside and you feel good with the experience that you're having with, you know, the time that you're spending throughout your day, um, you find yourself to be more productive. I think people who are a little bit more grounded and who have practices that allow them to express those emotions and to balance those emotions out are really able to perform better at any task. And so when we look at work where we tend to put a lot of our energy into, um, I've seen the practice really help support people with their focus, um, even when it comes to students and their work and and just focus on being present in the moment. I know our minds can be really cloudy and you'd be surprised the kids were uh, showing some of the same you know, symptoms and and things that you would think adults deal with in terms of anxiety and the mind yeah. racing. And so I'm um, really just open my eyes to to know that a simple tool um, when practiced consistently can have a, a, a grand effect on um, us as a whole. And so healthier decisions come out of that, um, more creativity, uh, greater sense of purpose, and really people are are really building a deeper connection with themselves which ultimately leads yeah. to a deeper connection with others. And it's just beautiful to yeah. see that that synergy come into play when people are, you know, practicing it on their own, but also having a community that accepts it as a practice and it became the norm and it was ingrained in our culture. Yeah. So it was something that we just did. And um, the beautiful thing about the school was we were able to create a blank slate and they came into the school and that's all they were exposed to. And so we made it the norm. And, you know, the rest is history and it's a beautiful just opportunity to serve and, and, you know, grow in that light. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting because I, you know, even, even as a creative myself, I find that we're in a society that pushes productivity over any, anything else, even over your own mm-hmm. well-being. And I feel like we're definitely in a time now where in, we're in need of kind of a, a flip of that you know I, I know that the moments that I actually take to myself to actually focus on my wellness and my well-being I'm actually able to be a lot more creative and productive rather than the moments when I'm trying to churn out content right. like a machine kind yeah. of thing. um so yeah that's that I can absolutely relate to that and obviously we're we're still a year into the pandemic um and I know from personal experience with other people that now is a time when people really are starting to focus more mm-hmm. on themselves. And so I'm just wondering how has moment of mindfulness been received during this time, you know, in which many are struggling with their well-being? Yeah, it's been well received. I mean, what I offer is really an opportunity for people to educate themselves and gain tools to help support them in, you know, their overall well-being. And so when I lead with that, 
um, it's received well because people understand, all right, this is going to be a time where I can take a pause, I can take a break, and I can learn how I can really refuel my own energy and recharge my own battery. And so I've, I've been able yes. to just be in a position to offer those tools as we all kind of cope with this new norm or this new world um, that we're living in. Um, and it, it's yeah. a beautiful alignment. Um, I'm able to not only practice, but also just be in a space of presence and be in a space where I can, um, you know, invest that time in myself. And I feel, um, you know, I feel, I'd say, you know, for fulfilled when I can give those tools to people and they're able to utilize them and see results. Right. Of course. Of course. And if you're able to, what, what are some of the specifics of the ways in which you help to promote well-being through moment of mindfulness? Yeah, well, one of the ways that I promote it are through my uh, workshops that I offer. Um, I have a methodology that I created um, during my time with the New York City Public Schools. Um, it's the 3R moment of mindfulness way, and it's what I utilize to um, create a structure and make mindfulness accessible to people. And so I do my trainings for both the school community and the corporate community. Uh, with school communities, I'm able to dive a little bit deeper into the classes um, because they're used to the class setting. And that's where I'm able to just open up and dive deeper into the principles. Um, so outside of that, I'm doing the training, professional developments for teachers, because it's really important to, you know, this, the kids are absolutely um, critical to the, the the mission, but our adults are equally as critical because they're the ones that are in front of the, the kids. And so I, I try to make it accessible for everyone really involved. It's something that the community as a whole can benefit from, and it's something that grows um, in numbers. So you can have a community that practices and, you know, just simplifies what it is. If it's just a matter of connecting and taking time to breathe together, um, that is something that can absolutely uplift and um, support the culture and their well-being health. Um, other things I'm doing, I'm into the My Brother's Keeper movement. That's Barack Obama's initiative for young boys of color. Uh, so I do some consulting work for District 19 in, in East New York, Brooklyn. And we're helping our young men gain tools to become productive citizens um, here in this America. Um, and preparing them for what's out here as young men of color. Um, so yeah, I just create different right. partnerships and opportunities to put my work out there. I'm working with DeKalb County Schools, and I'm also working on a new project with Alchemy Health. It's a, um, a project where we're looking to make um, health accessible for our, our people. Amazing, amazing. And I, I know that all of these resources will definitely help the Black and White community. And just... I'm, I'm going to turn it on to you for a second and it's interesting that you mentioned about um helping young black men because I had a conversation with someone not long ago about the mental health of, of black men and how that can be impacted in today's society and so I'm wondering how does the use of mindful practices especially the ones that you teach others how do they impact your own well-being as a black man in America well my own well-being it gives me a place to be centered you know with Everything going on in the world is very easy to get caught up in, you know, what they want us to look like to, you know, what they portray us as um, black men to the media. Um, I think it's important to take 
control of that narrative and have an inner narrative that really empowers and highlights um, the strength, the courage, the beauty that we are as, as Black men and Black women and Black people as a whole. And so the mindfulness really gives me a tool to um, access that peace and to connect with that of love, of gratitude, of calm and of peace. Um, and so I, I, I take it serious. It's something that I'm very um, diligent about where I'm, I'm connecting with, yeah. you know, mindfulness, not just in the sense where I'm sitting still and closing my eyes, but uh, really making it a lifestyle where when I'm taking my walks, um, just paying attention to the moment. Um, we live in a technology driven world, so I'm definitely on my phone a lot. So I, I take a lot of time off and detach from my phone on purpose just to make sure that I can just be present with right. the moment. Um, I'm journaling so that I can be a little bit more uh, connected to my thoughts and, you know, utilizing the yeah. the old fashioned paper and pen to, you know, connect and, and put out real words and real thoughts um, and make them real by creating them on the paper um, has been very helpful. Um, and yeah, like I said, just really creating a lifestyle where I can, you know, be the the driver of the narrative and the driver of my energy and where I want to take it, how I want to use it and how I want to contribute back to the world um, and still keeping tabs with, you know, what's going on in the world, doing what I can in terms of, um, you know, just supporting where I can, but allowing the work to speak for itself and knowing that the the work is done really on an individual level and on a family level. And when you can create a situation where you're connecting with individuals and really just allowing them to see that we already have the tools within us. It's just a matter of focusing that energy and creating a practice. Um, and I put emphasis on practices on practice because, you know, it's not something that happens overnight, it's something that we have to get used to right. um, living with and something we're used to uh, actually um, doing. And so um, I'm just in a, a place where I practice what I preach and um I'm I'm blessed to be able to have the time to to sit still and um take advantage of the time at home and and be with you know the moment. Absolutely. And I I love that because I mean first of all I think it's wonderful that you have created this platform as a black man in America and I think that that is a statement in itself and I feel like your platform would be one obviously you help many but in terms of other black men and women looking to someone to help them in the area of mental health, et cetera, it's, it's great to have something created for us. Absolutely. By us, you know? Um, so yes, that, that, that's absolutely wonderful. Um, what advice would you give to someone starting out on their journey to wellness, not kind of knowing where to start or where to go? What, what, what would be the first kind of step that you take? I would say first step is, Definitely start where you are and connect with your breath. I think that's something that's accessible to all of us. Um, if we're alive, then we're breathing. Um, I know we have a million and one things going on in our heads, but the breath is the tool where we can connect and focus on our breath. That does a lot for us in terms of our healing. It allows us to calm. It allows us to rest. And that's really the precondition for healing is to rest. And so if people can simply take the time to be with their breath, um, it sounds easy, but it's something that over time, if you can almost train your mind, because the mind honestly doesn't want to sit still. And you'll kind of notice that 
once you sit still and focus on your breath, you know, and even working with kids, understanding what their first reaction, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a little weird and it feels like it's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, you begin to question and is is it working? And, you know, you begin to tell yourself there are other things that you could be doing to help support yourself when it's actually unlearning, you know, we can be undoing things and just allowing ourselves to be, and a lot comes up when you can just be still and, and connect with the breath and get a better grasp on what's happening or get a better grasp on your emotions. And the breath is the tool that naturally does that. So I'd say know that baby steps still move you forward and to continue to just take baby steps with connecting with your breath. And as you develop that practice, I really see that as the entry point where you can begin to introduce other tools and other techniques and really get a sense for what works for you. You know, it may not necessarily be sitting still and, you know, closing your eyes and meditating. You know, it could be a situation where maybe you have to do your walks or maybe you're listening to music or maybe it's the journaling or drawing. So I think first you have to be in a space of stillness to figure out what best serves you. Um, But that's oftentimes the biggest hurdle is, is can you sit still and be with your, your thoughts and your emotions and, and just let those pass. Right. That's, I, I love that because I, from experience, I can say that sometimes sitting still really isn't the yeah. easiest of things to do, but I know it's absolutely necessary. And you mentioned in there about us having to undo and that it, it, it's, it's about undoing. And I definitely resonate with that because I noticed that as adults, when it comes to dealing with our wellness issues or mental health most of the stuff stems from childhood and and growing up and so in turn we have to end up undoing stuff and you mentioned that you work a lot with children and one of my questions is in within black families what are some of the what are some practices that we can do within the household um to avoid certain things being brought from childhood into adulthood that are not conducive to our mental health? Yeah, I think one, you have to have an open line of communication. Um, And I think that's easier said than done because oftentimes, you know, at least for myself, we didn't talk deep about our feelings. Um, I grew up, my Mm. pops was in the Marines. um, So he was raising, I have an older brother. um, He's raising two young black boys in America. So you know, there's a toughness that you have to have. And, you know, a lot of times that doesn't leave room for, you know, the feelings or the emotions that, you know, lie within. Um, so I think creating a space where, you know, you can communicate and have an open line of, of communication is, is key. Um, but you also have to have, you know, practices and things that are part of what's happening in the household. And, and those are, you know, tools that you can explore. So having time to engage where you're, you know, connecting with the breath um, and that not being a weird thing, I think it's powerful is really yeah. allowing people to connect and just be still and, you know, have that sacred space um, and time with your family can oftentimes promote, you know, a, a healthier um, and just more clear pathway to adulthood. Um and then I think, you know, we have to watch our attention and that that boils down to the practice of mindfulness mm-hmm. is it allows us to, you know, cultivate where we put our attention. And a lot of times kids are at home 
and the attention is not on the kids. You know, their parents are on their phones, they're in their computers. You know, these conversations are not being had and they're, you know, being raised by the internet where they have to seek answers outside of, you know, what we want our kids to learn when that story or that teaching really needs to be coming from us and not just being told, but it needs to be lived. And so I really think, you know, cultivating and having that practice of, you know, focusing that attention where people can be heard um, and people can listen, that really allows us to get a lot of things that we oftentimes hold on to and carry into adulthood, um, where if we're lucky, we're able to unpack those things and release them. But a lot of people, you know, we don't have the tools to do that inner childhood work. So it stays stuck in there and it ends up manifesting itself in areas and ways that, you know, we oftentimes are not able to connect to. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's it's so necessary to put a focus on healing, not only for ourselves, but mm-hmm. for the ones that come after us. It's it it will make huge change and an impact on the world that we live in today. I, I, I honestly believe that. And so I have one last question for okay. you. Well, actually, second to last question. But um, what does living black and well look like for you? Uh, I say just, you know, being black and being proud, but not just being, you know, proud of what I can show externally and what I may have or, you know, who I may know or the status, but really having a sense of, of well-being from within where, you know, when I'm offline or I'm not on my phone, you know, I'm feeling good about where I'm at and I'm feeling good about, you know, who I'm spending time with, the person inside of me. And so um, that's what I think is is really black and well is when you can have that relationship with yourself, because I really believe that sets the tone for um, all other relationships in our life. So when you can cultivate a healthy relationship with yourself and that leads to healthy relationships with people around you. Um, I think that puts you in a position to, you know, enjoy your life because essentially we're, we're dealing with relationships and that's what life is about is our relationships with people, ourselves, the earth, um, and how we service it. And so, um, that's how I kind of sum it up is feeling good about how I feel and also feeling good about what I do and, you know, the contacts that I come in, um, contact with knowing that I've put out good energy and, have been authentic and and true and present in that moment because, you know, people remember that. And while we may be caught up in a future thought or past thought and we're dealing with people, people are taking on the energy and people remember how you treat them. And so I think that's important to be present with, you know, the people in front of you and, and cherish the time that we have and the relationships that we're able to build. Amazing. Um, Curtis, thank you much for offering your perspective into the black and well community um you've really left us with something to think about and have yes a, a lot of food for thought here especially well thank you end. i appreciate you and um, the conversation that's much needed and i i love that you all are out here doing yeah. your thing and um putting out content and conversations that can support our people in healing yes absolutely i'm just going to ask you where can we find you and is there anything that um, you can look out for coming from you in the next. Yeah, well, my website is momentofmindfulness.com. Um, I'm actually going to be launching an updated website. That one is live, but um, I've done a whole nother remake of my website. I'm very blessed that my wife is 
an amazing digital designer. And so we got some updates coming to the website where you'll be able to um, check out my teachings, check out some of the meditations that I have put out there. Um, so definitely check me out on that. Um, I have all my updates coming out on momentofmindfulness.com. Um, I've also got some cool projects um, through uh, Alchemy Health. So check out alchemyhealth.com. Um, I'll also be leading the mindfulness initiative on that platform and, and looking forward to just doing good work. And additionally, last thing, I got a class coming out that I filmed with this um, pretty dope company, Round Glass. Um, and we're going to be starting with our launch on March 15th. And that's a series of meditations that I was able to film along with a class, Mindfulness 101, a new school approach that I was able to put out there. So that'd be free. And I'm really excited to um, provide that resource for people who are interested in the guided practices, but also interested in diving deeper into the, um, the knowledge and practice of mindfulness. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We will make sure that information is up when we do our online feature for you as well. Um, thank you again, Curtis. Awesome. Thank and you, Olivia. You thank you for your time. Thank you for listening to Black and Well Voices. I'm your host, Olivia Grant, and you can find me at thehouseofog.com and on Instagram at ogsongstress. Mm-hmm.